John regularly has mentioned the things from the beginning. Remember in chapter 1? That which was from the beginning. You're going to find he's going to mention this theme multiple times. What he's describing for us was that which was from the incarnation. That which was from the beginning of Christ walking here on earth. He's going to say, these are the things that Jesus said. These are the things that the apostles heard. These are the things that the apostles were teaching. And why is John doing that? Because you see, this is about 50 years after the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus died probably in the early 30s. John is writing in the mid-80s. So as we begin thinking about why would John write what he's writing? Why would he constantly say the things that were from the beginning? What he's wanting us to know is this isn't anything new that I have come up with myself. This is something that Jesus Christ was teaching. You know, the church with John in the 80s is the sa- has the same problems that we in the 2019s have. Do you know, when we've heard things over and over and over again, we begin to back away from the authority of this is what God says, and we begin to rely on, depend on the traditions of the church. We begin to say, well, my church does it this way, and we begin to equate the procedures that a church does with what the authority of God's word says. Because, so then we begin to look at other people and we say, you don't do it the way our church does it, therefore, you're not Christian. And John backs up and John says, whoa, let me remind you of some really important truths And rather than John saying, do it because I say so, he's saying, do it because this is the same thing that Jesus Christ taught. Now, John began chapter 3 by telling us of the amazing news that we have a new love. It is the love of the Father. As a believer, you see, we are loved by God and we have his very nature infused in us. Now, that's a very important truth. That's a very important truth because he's going to tell us other things. And if you miss that very first point that we kind of were picking the bones at a few weeks ago, if you miss this point, you're going to be a very defeated Christian because you're going to believe that somehow you can do all these things by yourself. But God says, I've loved you so much. How much did he love us? You know, with little kids, we go, so much. Well, how much was so much? He infused his very nature in us. You, as a believer, have God's nature in you. His nature impacts and empowers how we live. We also have a new family. Beloved, now are we the sons of God? Now, I don't look anything like what I'm going to look like. Now, I don't mean just physically, because you're going to recognize me. And I'm not even certain how that works, because people recognize people that they had never met before. How would the disciples ever have known 
Moses, Elijah? How would they know them? They weren't alive at the same time. So I know you're going to know me and I'm going to know you. But you know what? That's not the big thing. The huge thing is I am right now in the family of God. I'm not what I'm going to be. But it doesn't change the fact I'm in the family. This is so exciting today because there is security in knowing that you are in the family of God when you've received Christ. You have God's nature in you and you're not what you're going to be. I fail. Even on the days I think I'm doing really good and then the Holy Spirit will convict me. I'll read something in God's word and I realize I'm not doing nearly as good as I thought I was doing. Wow, even on my good days, I am so tainted with sin that my my motives are wrong, my attitudes are wrong, the words that pop out occasionally. You know, on on an average, boy, of the 14,000 words or whatever I've said during the day, or for some of us, 3,000, depending on how much you speak, you're going, well, the percentage wasn't so bad, but the problem was is that it was just that I worked really hard and kept my language under control, and all of a sudden, something comes out that is not Christ-like. And I'm reminded, I'm not what I should be. But you notice what John says? Now we are the sons of God. We have a new family. We are now children. And we, don't, we can't even fathom what it's going to be like. When you see in me in heaven, you're going to go, wow, I wish I'd have seen that part of you when you were on earth. What a blessing. What a blessing that is. We have a new family. And according to verse 3, you know what? When we get into this new family, now we want to live like our new family. We want to look like our new family. We don't want to look like our old family anymore. We've got a whole new us. We have a new victory. You know, we have two natures battling within us. We sometimes act in ways that don't look like our Father. And other times we reflect Jesus Christ. Verses 4 through 10 remind us that we are lawbreakers. It keeps us humble. It keeps us remembering, you know, just because you've gone to church for 10 years or 15 years or 50 years as compared to someone who's only gone to church for three months, you know, at my very nature, I'm still a lawbreaker. And therefore, when people come in, we can accept them very easily because you know what? They're just like what we are. People are people. People are just like us. But notice, how do we have a new victory? Specifically, in verse 5, Jesus Christ, it says, Jesus came to, one, take away our sins because he was the perfect spotless lamb. He was the only one who fulfilled every part of the law. He did everything exactly the way God wanted it done. He did everything according to God's nature. Because he is God. But the second new victory that we have is he came to defeat the works of Satan. And that's what we, that, those were kind of the things we were picking over two weeks ago. As we were looking at how Jesus came and he defeated the works of Satan. What were the works of Satan to separate us from God? To make us so we couldn't have fellowship with God? To make us so that we would not be able to enjoy that family relationship with God? And Jesus Christ came and he undid the works of Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. 
Now with that in mind, today we are going to move into we have new desires and we have new confidence. I was thinking of another song this morning. I don't know if you know this one. It's just the chorus is what I'm going to sing. But it's, it's in our hymnal. But it's this. It's beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear. We know when he shall appear. We shall be like him. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. I'm glad you know that song too. That's such an important one because it reminds us of doctrine. You know, sometimes I've had... I, I, I appreciate that he sings. And some people have said, wow, I can, I, can hear, I can hear children singing. You know the reason why we can hear children singing? Because the adults aren't singing loud enough. I hope we'll always just sing from our hearts. Because you're not singing for me, you're singing for the Lord. What a joy. As we think about the doctrine that's being taught here, we are now the sons of God. As believers, our desires begin to change even when we fail to follow through. You know, I know I'm saved even though I still sin. Do you know how I know I, I'm saved? There are a number of reasons, but let me tell you one that's straight out of this text, and that is because my desire for that sin has changed. Oh, I still sin. I'm still tempted. I still give in. But the difference is before, it was I couldn't wait for more. Now it's the Holy Spirit tells me, oh, that's going to damage you, that's going to hurt you, and I don't want to do that anymore. New desires, new confidence. Let's look at this idea of new desire in our text this morning, beginning at verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. In other words, here's how you can tell the difference. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. All right, now he describes two things for us here we're going to see. First of all, a believer, according to verses 6, 7, 9, and 10, loves or practices righteousness. He's not saying that a believer never sins. He's saying, what is, what is the default mode now? The default mode now is, I want to do the right thing. That's how you can tell. Your desire is different. And notice the second thing. He loves the family members. He loves the family members. Now, as you think about this for a moment, you see, this is the mark of believers. Of all the different things. Of all the different lists that I regularly see of people. Boy, if you want to be a good Christian, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Very rarely is this at the top of the list, love other Christians. In fact, I think sometimes in some of the churches where I have attended, in fact, some of the groups that I've been around, we focus more on we're really spiritual because we don't like the brethren. We get very crossways with people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I'm not quite certain how we ever come to that because we're supposed to love the unsaved. We're supposed to love the saved. And he says specifically, here's how you know if you're saved, is that you love the brethren. 
It's foundational teaching. It's not new. Verse 11 tells us, For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning. What beginning are you talking about? We're talking about the incarnation from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. What did he say? Love the brethren. Love the brethren. Love the brethren. As soon as we start talking this way, we feel like somehow we've gone liberal. That we're not a good church anymore because who loves the brethren like that? Obviously, you're not really doctrinally sound. Well, I would just say, I didn't say this. Jesus said this. And the apostles who heard Jesus say this repeated it often. And the Holy Spirit had John put it in the scriptures. Of all the different things we look at and say, good Christian, not a good Christian. Christian, probably not a Christian. Would you have said, wow, just look and see if they like, if they really love Christians. This is very convicting to me of the way we respond. And what's the contrast? He gives the contrast of Cain. Now, Cain and Abel, obviously, were very similar. You know, who was Cain going to play with? Abel and the animals. There weren't any neighborhood children. There weren't anyone out. There wasn't anyone else around. All of a sudden, you start looking at this and you begin realizing Cain hated doing what God said. Abel loved doing what God said. And notice what it's saying here. He says, Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth his brother. The word here, um, doeth not, has the idea of remains in. Uh, the Greek word there is a um, is a present active, which means it's presently residing. This person is presently residing in death. So what is he saying? Um, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Therefore, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. What's he telling us? He's saying, look, believers love believers. There's a unique relationship between believers. You know, I never know when Cindy and I travel or when I'm by myself who the Lord is going to put me near. But it is amazing to me, it is not hard to tell who believers are, and once I find out who a believer is, all of a sudden, we're friends. You can be in an airport sitting down talking with someone that you've never met before, and as soon as you find out they're a believer, what? You want to go have a cup of coffee? You want to to just sit and talk for a little while? What an amazing thing. Why is that? Because, you see, each of us has the Holy Spirit within us. It's not a hard commandment. God's command isn't grievous. It's not hard to love you. I love being here. Why is that? Because God is in you. And we're family today. Now, you're not always going to enjoy things that your family members do. You're not even going to always have the same interests that the other family members have. But the reality is, you still love them. Because they're family. You see, 
contrast those who have no desire to be with fellow believers with believers. Believers don't hate believers. Well, sometimes I do. And I hear what God says, and I immediately then need to shift my attitudes. Remember how Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, he says, if you hate your brother, it's the same as murder. There are a lot of murders go on in church. A lot of murders go on between Christians. Hopefully not the physical act, but definitely the emotional act. What's happening on the inside, Jesus said, it's as if you've done it already. And all of a sudden we begin to realize, you see, hate is murderer, is murder. Now, murderers can be saved. Absolutely murderers can be saved. But Christians must not live in hate. You know, there are times when Christians make you so angry about what they're doing, you tend to hate them. Can't stand that person. I hate that person. What I want you to know this morning is you believe the lie of Satan when you believe you are right to hate a person who is a believer. You say, but you don't know the circumstances. I don't need to. I don't need to. You don't have to like what they're doing, but you do need to recognize God says, love my people. Love my people. Why should we love? Why is this important? Because God is love. It's what our Father is like. Our Father loves not because we love Him first and it's reciprocal. We love Him because He first loved us. But He does not love us because we first loved Him. You see, when we love, we are letting the world see what our Father is like. Based on what Jesus taught in Matthew 5, I would say there are more murderers outside jail than there are in. Wouldn't you agree? Maybe some murderers here this morning. So how can we determine what real love looks like? Look at verse 16 with me, please. Look at the example of Christ. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How can we know the love of God? He gave his son for us. How do we know Jesus loves us? He died for us. Well, obviously Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so. But you know Jesus loves you this morning because he died for you. How many of your best friends are willing to die for you? I mean, I, I really love you guys, but am I willing to die for you? Oh, I get all these conflicted emotions. If I were single, uh, be, be an easier decision for me. But when I realize the commitments I've made to my wife and to my children, and all of a sudden I begin thinking, wow, 
would I do this? I mean, it would be easy just to say, oh, yeah, I love you all. I'd die for you. But if I'm really honest with myself, do I love you that much? How do we know how much God loves us? He left heaven. He came and he died for us. And when you begin to doubt God's love for you and you begin to think, I've got to somehow make myself worthy before God for God to continue loving me, you just need to pause for a moment and you need to realize he died for you while you were yet sinning. If he died for you while you were yet sinning, how shall he not also give us freely all these things? You see, Satan is such a liar and we buy into his lies so quickly that even when we're believing the truth on some things, we buy into these short lies, these small lies, and these lies are impacting the way we live our lives. How do we know what real love looks like? Real love is sacrificial. Real love reaches out. Real love puts themselves at a difficult situation so that they can minister to the needs of others. You see, love expresses itself in action. Verse 18, my little children, let us love in word, neither in tongue. Uh, let us love not, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And we look in verse 17 and we begin to see, so what does this look like? Chances are very great. You know, I would hope that if someone were to come in and try to harm us, I would hope that I could get in front of whatever was going to hurt you and I could protect you. But the reality is that's easy to say because probably it's not going to happen. But how often do we see each other who are in need and what do we do? You see, love expresses itself in action. One of the things that ought to be the hallmark of every church and ought to be what we are. You see, James puts it this way, which is taking straight here from what um, John is saying. Well, James wrote it first and then John. But the reality is what? He says, show me by your actions what you say you believe. Show me by your actions that you really believe. Love. If you really love, then you will look out. If you look at someone and say, oh, boy, I hear what all's going on in your life, and I hear that you've lost your job, and I hear that you're financially hurting, Lord bless you. You have a good day. I'll be praying for you. Is that love? Wouldn't there need to be some feet to that love? Now, if you have nothing to give them, I can totally understand that. But very few times would we not be able to go and get something and bring something to the individual and say, here, I had two of these. Take one of mine. You say you're sounding liberal again. That doesn't sound like fundamental Christianity. You see, this is fundamental Christianity. This is what Christianity should look like. This is how we treat brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice in our covenant, this is what we are saying. This is a portion out of the covenant, Lord willing, we'll be looking at on Wednesday night. We endeavor to walk together and to watch over one another in Christian love, to remember each other in prayer, to aid each other in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian compassion and courtesy. 
What are we going to do? We're going to try to help each other learn how to do this love thing better all the time. We're going to try to help each other all the time so that no matter what's going on, our children learn to say, oh, let me help so-and-so with that. You know, it, it is thrilling as a parent when you see your children looking for ways to help other people. When they, when they want to do something, when they want to serve someone, that's thrilling. And if you say, well, we've not gotten there yet as our family, it's okay, but you keep modeling that, you keep teaching that, you keep letting them know this is what Christianity looks like. Christianity does not look like this. Christianity looks like this. Why? Because Christ does not look like this. Christ looks like this. And you sit and you talk about it. What would Jesus, what do we know Jesus did when he was here on earth? How did he handle things with people? What was his concern for people? You know, here's Jesus and he says, these people have been with me all day and they're going to faint going home. What are we going to do about this? Now he already knew what he was going to do, but why did he ask that? Because he wanted the disciples to start thinking like him. As parents, can't we do that? Are there people that are like skimmers and trying to bum things off of you? Absolutely, all the time. I grew up in a preacher's home where we lived beside the church in a church parsonage. And it was always, 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 we would have people coming down, either pull into our driveway with their car or walking. And they would come and they would have some long story as for what's wrong with them and why we should help them. And as a little boy, I began to get a hard heart because it was always just a story. It was a scam. And you know what I realized? I can show that person the love of Jesus and they may try to take advantage of me and that's okay because my Heavenly Father has already noted and he doesn't forget my labor of love. I didn't know that person. I doubt that their story was true. Very rarely did I ever have someone come back and say thank you. Very rarely when I would give people something would they ever demonstrate that their heart was right. But I had to come to a point where I just said, you know what? I'm going to show the love of Christ. He loved me while I was sinning. I guess I can love this person while they're deceiving me. You see, the example that we see is love is not just a feeling but an action. We as a church, we ought to be very quick. And we won't all know. When you know of a need, you need to let the body know, hey, so-and-so has a need. We don't do that to embarrass them. We never would. Why do we do what we do? We do it because we love them. And love is only demonstrated when you put feet to what you do. I want you to notice this last section here. Well, really, there's then a summary after this, but the new confidence, the assurance of a family member. This was the passage this week that I just, I, I got happy. I, it was almost, I'm glad you weren't there the first time I read it because I was, I was really excited to be reminded of this truth. Notice with me. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. How do we know that? When we love other Christians. Okay, you say that that's not 
too tricky. Notice the next verse. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. You ever have those days where you say, I don't know, looking at how I live, looking at how I'm doing, how can I be saved? Looking at who I am, how can I be saved? I don't feel saved today. I'm not going to ask you. I can tell you I feel that way. You can decide if you're like me or not. There are days I don't feel saved. So am I still saved? The answer is yes. You know why? Look at the verse with me again. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Do you know today we are secure in Jesus Christ because God knows? You see, the common temptation of Satan is he's going to come to you and he's going to tell you, you're not saved. You can't be saved. No Christian could do this. No Christian could do that. And you just have to be reminded of 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. But, and if ye do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is there. He hears. He knows. He pleads our case. And God, even when we are uncertain, God knows and God remembers. That's enough to put a smile on your face. It's okay. You are secure in God. You see, we have a new confidence. I was talking to one of the Christian brothers. He was talking to a family member. They're working really hard trying to do all the right things to make sure they're on their way to heaven. That's miserable. I mean, you better be right up to the minute when you have that accident. You better be right. The problem is it's an accident. You don't know what's coming. How do I know I'm saved? Because I did exactly what God said. I knew I was a sinner and I knew Jesus Christ was the Lamb and I trusted Jesus Christ to be my Savior. And God knows. And even when I don't feel that way, even when I'm somehow, either my emotions are twisted around that day or I'm not so sharp, or as my grandfather that had Alzheimer's, was he no longer saved? God knew. God knew. There's a confidence that comes. You see, the love of the family members give us confidence, but the love of the Father who is greater than our doubts gives us confidence. And then look at verses 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. Oh, what about those days when we're not struggling with doubts? Then have we confidence toward God. Now we're even confident in our prayer life. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. What is he saying? God answers our prayers because, you know, if you do enough right things, then he'll answer your prayers. No, what he's telling you is, as we now have a heart for what God wants, we're asking for things that bring him, bring him glory, bring him praise. He loves to take care of his children. When we don't doubt, 
we're much more confident to pray. Now let's look at the new command. Verse 23, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Here's how you have joy. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. Now obviously, if you've not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's commanding you to repent, to turn back to him. But to believers... You know what? Now that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Totally by faith. It's not my works. My works weren't to get saved, and my works aren't to make me stay saved. Notice the new command also, end of verse 24. And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Listen to the Spirit. God gave you the Holy Spirit. New. New love. New family. New victory. New desires. New confidence. A new spirit. What should love look like in the family? So how do we attach this to how we're going to live today? How are we going to respond to each other? You see, some people, as believers, we say, well, I'm just this way. Anytime you hear someone say, well, that's just the way I am, you need to remember something. That may not be the way God intends you to be. I just say it the way it is. I'm just gruff. I'm just whatever. Well, you need to stop it. Is that the way Jesus was? Did Jesus get up on the wrong side of the bed and so he just let everyone have it until he finally got his coffee and got going in the morning? I don't think so. You see, practically, how do you live what we have been studying? How do we live this new family? How do we live this love relationship? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul describes what love is. He says, be patient with each other. I am positive in a group, even this small, people are going to do things that irritate you. I'm probably irritating you. Be patient. I'm not what I'm going to be. Pastors aren't perfect. Nowhere close. Neither are church people. You see, if we're patient with each other, imagine how nice church is going to be when we come in and we see, we see someone do something or we see something and we go, God's not done yet. Not done with me, not done with them. Great to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Kind. Where we put them before ourselves. We recognize what they're going through. We don't try to be the center of attention, but we look out for others. Some of you like to help lead in prayer. That's something you can do. Some of you like to read scripture. Some of you have told me, please do not ever call on me to lead in prayer. Please do not ever call on me to read scripture. Each of us are looking for ways that we can minister to each other. If we're not doing anything intentionally to reach out to each other, to minister to each other, maybe we just need to rethink 
What should love for family look like? Well, doesn't get angry easily. Only gets angry at things that are sin. Wouldn't that make business meetings wonderful? When we're not having to have our own way, we're just wanting everyone to, here's what I'm thinking. You know, when you have a relationship, it's always messy. You pick up baggage that you didn't have before. They pick up baggage they didn't have before. It's going to be that way. I know people that will never go to a church or business meeting again. Like, never. Why? Because there's so much selfishness and self-will going on. Why am I talking about this? Today, to be honest with you, we could have an issue in a business meeting, but to be honest with you, with what's on the agenda, I can't imagine that there's a whole lot. You can vote yes, you can vote no, and when we're done, we've decided. I'm going to go home, I'm going to have lunch, and we're going to have a good day. It doesn't matter to me. I would love to be generous. But if we choose not to be generous this time, that doesn't mean that we won't be generous another time, right? It just means we decided this wasn't the best decision. I can go home and have lunch and not have heartburn over that. Can you? And you say, yeah, but then what will people think about us? I don't know. But you know what? We're family. I'm willing to pick up your baggage and you can pick up my baggage and we're going to be okay. What's family love look like? Doesn't think bad about other people. Give people an opportunity to explain why they're thinking the way they are. Oh, you ought to know what I saw. Well, go ask them about it. It may be that you were exactly right. You saw them do a wrong thing, and they're going to go, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I was wrong. Okay. But maybe what you saw wasn't what took place. Wouldn't you want people to do that with you? I mean, we are friends, right? And if I see you doing something, I still love you. And if I'm not certain what I saw, I still should ask you and give you an opportunity to explain. I'm not going to think ill of you. You can tell me things about my wife and I'm going to say, I'll go ask her. I don't believe that. She's my friend. You are not going to drive a wedge between us. And that's kind of the attitude we have as a church. You are not going to drive a wedge between us. Love looks forward to truth being exalted. If someone does something wrong, we don't want them to continue to be hurt by that wrong, so we would go to them, right? We don't just look at someone and go, I'm not getting involved in that. Let them just do whatever. That's not love. You know, the only people, the little kids in a grocery store that are being so out of control that I do not try to step in and help are the ones that I don't have a relationship with, which at this stage in my life is most of them. But the ones that I really love, I'm going to help them because what they're doing it's going to hurt them. Isn't that what we do in a church? You see someone doing something that's wrong. I don't look down on them. I don't ostracize them. I go to them. I talk with them. You parents ever have to correct your children for the same thing twice? We did. More than twice. And you know what? 
my kids are my best friends. I mean, it was so much fun to be with my son. Packing boxes and taking things apart, I didn't care. I got to be with my son. To give you a little taste of why this morning I said I was so looking forward to being with you today. I genuinely love to be with you. I love your kids. You're my family. Practically, don't turn this into church speak. Jesus said, do what I tell you to do and love my people. That's not a very big long list, is it? And a lot of these I still fail at. There's only two, two little things there on my list and I fail. And then my heart condemns me. How can you say you're a Christian when you... God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. Can I challenge you, how are you going to put love into practice this week? How are you going to love Christians? You know, there are Christians that believe differently than what we do. Notice the way I said that. There are Christians that believe differently than we do. I am totally convinced that the scripture teaches baptism by immersion. But you know what? There are Christians who do baptism a different way. And they baptize out of obedience to Jesus Christ. Not as a work. Now it doesn't change the fact that I believe we do things by immersion. But you know what? That's a brother or sister in Christ. I don't separate from them just because they use a different mode of baptism. There are Christians that dress differently than I do. But they're still Christians. There are Christians that read out of a different translation of the Bible than I do, but you know what? They're still Christians. I need to remember, first of all, God says, love my family, before I start getting really, really mean-spirited. Now, it doesn't change what I believe the Bible says, and therefore I do what the Bible says, but what are the real key things? Well, we know a person has to believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he came to this earth, had to be virgin born. Man is sinner. Jesus Christ shed blood can cleanse me from all sin. A person only gets saved through the work of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden we begin realizing, let's talk about the important things. Let's do what we believe the Bible says, but we ought to be known for having a loving spirit. How are we going to do that this week? I'm going to put that out to you, and I'm going to ask you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see some really incredible things happening.